if you're tired of the standard business and marketing fundamentals, frameworks, and funnels, <laughs> you need a little mischief. Get ready to turn up the volume on the CEO Mischief Maker podcast, where you access conversations with seasoned business owners who have smashed through mindset barriers, innovated the standard boring business and marketing playbooks, and executed future-paced strategies with bleeding-edge tools and tactics to micro-fail their way into massive success and growth. We are Mindset Impact Strategic Catalysts, helping innovative entrepreneurs focus. We are CEO Mischief Makers. Ready to make a little mischief? Hey there, CEO Mischief Makers. I hope you enjoyed my last conversation with my incredible guest, Chad Collins. And if you haven't listened to that first episode we, where we talk about mindset, you need to go back and listen to it because now we get to go deeper into something Chad mentioned in that conversation, which is unfair advantage. And I think you want to know about this. So Chad, first off, welcome back to the conversation. I can't Thanks wait to so chat much. about this with you. Tell me a little bit more about that. I love the way you you articulated that. Unfair advantage. You brought with you a corporate mindset and a corporate experience with SOPs and all those things and a startup. I mean, those two things collided in you and mm -hmm. how you brought that to this new venture. First off, tell me, who are you impacting with these events? And is that different from the people you were looking to impact with your YouTube channel and your daughter when you first started? Yeah. The people that we're impacting at our events are first and foremost families, right? We're talking about, you know, moms and dads with kids aged six to 12. That is our core audience. And in fact, 80% of our buyer is a mom, you know, with a kid in the six to 12 age range. So our event, while we thought about it in the beginning as a Lego convention, right? Brickfest Live is a, like a Lego fan experience. But we thought about it like that. And we always thought about it like, oh, anyone that loves Lego will come to this. And then you're thinking, well, who loves Lego? Oftentimes it's kids, right? That's the biggest market. And then how do you, how do you find the people that are going to want to come to your event and have a great time? So in the beginning, we thought we just have to get to the kids. How do we find the kids and, and have them come? And then after actually hosting several shows, it was like, wow, look at all of these families engaging with each other at our shows, right? Look at the grandfather shoulder to shoulder with his granddaughter at one of our building stations. And after getting feedback from our attendees about how they perceive the event, that really helped shape our messaging and the new attractions that we were going to create that people could enjoy at our shows. So sometimes what you think it's going to turn out to be isn't necessarily what the end of the story looks like. So we started really leaning into the family entertainment space and family engagement and making that more part of our marketing and and branding. And when we did that, we we really saw an improvement. We saw more people coming to our shows and not only more people, but the right kind of people. Because often you might be marketing for something and you're attracting not necessarily the right audience to your product service, in our case, event. But, you know, early on, you know, we figured out, oh, it's families. How do we, how do we then ensure that 
we have more families coming to Brickfest Live. Yeah. 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 I I have to tie this into because I, I love when you when you talked about your passion and the story you talked about, you're calling your wife and going, okay, I think that today's the day. Because of that passion, she understood that. I look at this and and you've perfectly taken the path of the intersection of three things that are required in this this success. And you've hit all three of them so far. Number one, your avatar, right? Your your persona, your, your customer persona, that avatar, that person. You knew who you were going after, moms with kids in the beginning. Then it morphed mm-hmm. into families because then they told you what they wanted. But secondly, your, your experience, your passion, the way you structured your company was really from that innovation, from you and who you were. So that's avatar is the first one. I call it ABCs. Avatar was the first one, who you're serving. Brand is the second one. That was your company as the brand and what you represented. And that allowed you to actually create the C, which is the category. Your category is completely new. It's not just a conference. It's not just a festival or an event or anything like that. It is an experience experience that families have with your product, with your event. So that's an ABC. And in the most important part was your innovation of events. So tell me, how did you, in the beginning, maybe take me through a little bit of that journey. In the beginning, you you talked about who you serve, the moms and kids, and then you landed on families and you talked about experience. So tell me the difference between your first couple of events and what they looked like and actually what they look like now. Yeah, I will start off by saying that the value proposition that you create has to really, like the amount of money that people are paying for your product or service, you need to do your best to over deliver on that. And what we thought was, how much are they paying for a ticket to Brickfest Live? And what is something else that they would buy that's around the same price? Even if we're a little bit higher. What is something else they would buy that's around the same price and how do we compare to that? And we thought a movie ticket is very similar, similarly priced to a ticket to Brickfest Live. We're slightly higher, but we thought if someone's going out, a family of three or four, they're going to spend all in $100, $125 to go to the movies, tickets, food, et cetera. That's about what they're going to pay to come to Brickfest Live. So what could we do? that provides more of an experience than a movie does. Because when you're at a movie with your family, you're sitting next to each other, you're enjoying the movie together, and maybe you have a quick conversation after about what that movie, you know, how you felt about the movie, good or bad. When you come to Brickfest Live, you're engaged from beginning to end at our show. Not only that, you're sharing your experience with others because of how many different photo ops there are at a show, right? Look at this life-size Lego model. And here's my children with the life-size Lego model, right? And you can't wait to share that with friends and family privately or on social. So we thought, you know, your question about how did the events evolve over time? And for us, the first bunch of shows were very heavy on third parties coming into our event and displaying things that they had or selling things that they had. So we were very reliant on third-party products and services to be displayed at our show. And today, we are not reliant on any 
So in order for us to scale, we needed to basically control the entire show. So we could go into 60 to 150,000 square feet of space, a large-scale convention center, and pop up our entire show without any third-party participation with all of the hands-on activities and attractions and life-size models and photo ops and shopping that we all provide ourselves. It was really the design of those hands-on attractions and activities that really set BrickFest Live apart from any other event that you can go to, especially a movie, right? So those are all proprietary to BrickFest Live engagements that we have, including the photo ops are all exclusive to BrickFest Live. So what we've been able to create is a extraordinarily unique experience that would be very like, and we built a moat that would be very difficult to replicate at the same time. How does that experience and that hands-on, again, experience relate to what you were doing with your daughter originally in the YouTube channel? I mean, I just got chills with that question that you just asked because a lot of what Jordan and I did in creating the YouTube channel was building Lego sets together and then talking about them to our audience about what we liked and what we didn't like and what's new that's going to be coming out. And now we get to see families that were very similar to how Jordan and I were back when she was seven and eight years old, where they might not have a social media presence and that's fine, but they have the same feelings that we did. And you know, I'll, I'll say this a lot, and I think we write it about it a little bit in our email copy, that when people leave BrickFest Live and the family is walking out and they're holding their kid's hand, a seven, eight, nine-year-old doesn't necessarily have the vocabulary or know how to express their feeling of love. And like an eight-year-old is never going to say, you know, mom, I really appreciate the fact that you bought us tickets to BrickFest Live today because you know how much I love Lego and I'm going to remember this for the rest of my life. Okay. An eight-year-old isn't going to say that, (laughs) but what an eight-year-old will do is they'll just hold your hand a little bit tighter on the walkout. And be giggling and and skipping. Yeah. Right. So, so you've now been able to bring them to something that you know that they love and they're having the time of their life. And yeah, and you're going to go, you're going to talk about it, you know, at lunch or dinner, but they're going to remember that experience that you were able to give them for the rest of their life. Okay. So CEO Mischief Makers listening to what we just talked about. So number one, I have to tell you, I asked that question knowing what the answer would be. And not because I'm clairvoyant or have some sixth sense, but I know because of the success that I see in front of me. And that equates, that passion for that YouTube channel has equated to and set set you up, Chad, and your, your family and all of your experiences, the things that you've created, that passion set you up for this category you've created, for this, this success. And that, my friends, if you can tap into anything, that is innovation. That is not like any other conference or event or, or movie you could go see. This goes way beyond that. To be able to equate that initial passion with the experience families are going to have when they come to BrickFest Live, 
that that's it. If you can replicate that, you have success and a and a very successful category. So I also know that you mentioned in the beginning of our conversation back in mindset that you're doing 40 of these shows now a year and you're adding them. How is that now expanding this impact that you're having with families? Yeah, we're going to reach we're going to reach close to a half a million people this calendar year. And it is by far the most people that we've reached with Brickfest Live in this short period of time in in a 12-month period. And it's it's beautiful. We're able to go to markets and demos that we've never been to before because the demand for events like this are very strong. And in the past, like, you know, a natural question would be like, well, Chad, how come you haven't done 40 events in the past, right? Well, focus is so, so important. And we've produced several different types of events. Brickfest Live has always been one of them. It was the first. It's always been very successful. After the pandemic, when you know we had to make a decision, which event are we going to bring back? And it was just naturally, we're going to bring Brickfest Live back. And when we brought it back, we said, okay, well, how many, the most events we've ever done in a year for Brickfest Live was like 22. So how quickly can we get back to that baseline? And we were able to get back there last year in 2022. Now in 2023, it was, okay, can we have an event almost every weekend? How does our business change if we, if we did that? Because we would have shows and we'd have weekends off. We would have shows and we would have weekends off. What does it look like now? And what processes do we need to put in place to create an event that really doesn't stop, that lives on the road? How do you, how do you create processes for the people that are producing those shows, for the, the office or HQ that is here to support the, the crew that, that's on the road and, and our customers? And again, it was a different, it was another mindset shift, actually, MK. It was another mindset shift. And it was more discipline that enabled us to scale. And now that we have these systems down, we're able to finally start thinking about, is there another concept that we want to introduce? And we know that if it's successful, we can scale it faster than we've ever scaled anything in the past. Yeah. And I I remember that because I know we've talked on a podcast before, Parent Entrepreneur Mm -hmm. Power, way back when. And I, I know that you had several different events you were doing at the same time. And I love, again, how you brought in that word focus, because it's true. The more, the more fractured your attention, the less successful you will be. It's just fact. Our brains have a certain capacity and that's it. And as the, as the driver of the business, as the creative and the person driving the business, you have to direct that. And when you're fractured in that direction, no matter what, it's going to be, it's going to be more difficult. Have you I'll tell you one going... more thing. Oh yeah, please. Well, okay. I want to hear this question, but one more thing on focus. And this is, and this is, we've really learned this post pandemic in the past. And you know, we had several events going and we had staff that would go out and produce the show. And when they weren't producing a show, they were back at our office and they had the office type responsibilities that they had to do to help them get ready for the next show. So their focus, the event Uh producer's focus was split between executing on site and then 
executing the office. Two very different skill sets are required, but they were doing both things. When we rebooted, we said, you know what? Our event production team on site, we want to take all of the burden off of them. So they are focused on delivering the best experience they can for our attendees. And then our staff at HQ is focused on all of the other things that have to happen in order for us to maintain the scale that, that we're doing, right? So the contracts, the hiring of event services. I mean, you name all of the other backend stuff that goes into producing these shows, that's done. And our event managers and our road crew and our staff, they don't even have to think twice about what's happening because they know they have this support system that we've created that they can lean on for anything that they need. And how much happier are your employees? Oh, yeah. We haven't had anyone voluntarily leave the company in long, long time. Yeah. Yeah. Because they're, yeah, they're I mean, you have to their take core competency. Yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting. We just went through a RACI reboot. So RACI stands for, so it's R-A-C-I is an acronym, right? Responsible, accountable, consult, and inform. Okay. So with any task in your company, you have the responsible party, the person that's accountable, usually their boss, someone consult. So they have the expertise and then someone informed, Hey, I did this thing. You have to know about it. Right. And I went through every single full-time employee and we went through their racy chart. Um, and it was way better. It was a way better exercise than any annual review or quarterly review or these normal corporate type reviews that you have. It was a way better conversation because you're able to say, all right, here's this task that you have in your racy. And by the way, they help create their own racy, right? They tell me, here's the stuff that I've been working on. Well, cool. Then I ask a couple of questions. How important is this task to the company on a scale of one to five? How important is this? Do you believe, not what I believe, how important is this to the company in your opinion? What is your desire to do this task? And how consistent are you with doing this task? Right? So then you look for outliers. Well, I know this is important, but I'm not very consistent with it. So then it's why. Okay. Well, other, other things get in my way or I'm not good at it. I'm like, okay, well, maybe you shouldn't be the R for this. And we got to find someone else that should be the R. So it's never, you didn't do that. You're in quote trouble. Yeah. It's let's, let's find all the stuff that you love to do that is important to the company and you're going to be consistent with. How beautiful. Yeah. That, that is the, that is the dream job, right? For most people, that is the dream to be able to do what you enjoy and what you know brings the biggest impact for the company and yourself and the customers and all those things. And, and then you're just, you're just so much happier doing it. So I'm, I'm thinking future. The question I was going to ask you is, have you thought about mm -hmm. going internationally with your amazing events? Of course. <laughs> yeah. Pre, pre pandemic, we were starting to have those conversations. I've traveled overseas to, you know, just to do some due diligence on that. So right now, you know, the reason we never went international in the past is because there's always enough cities in the United States, right? To, to, to operate domestically. So why complicate things for yourself? Um, I think that toward the end of next year, we'll be in a position where we've saturated the United States and we should start looking, you know, north or south and seeing where, where we can go, where it makes sense for us. 
And, you know, there's, there's different rules and regulations that you have to figure out. So ultimately you need to create the bandwidth for yourself to be able to, to do an expansion like that. And I just want to be certain that the SOPs and the processes that we've put in place are as tight as they can be before uh, we jump to an international opportunity. But they are there. Um, it's just a matter of when I believe we'll be ready to make that leap. And you mentioned a term, I think, in the last episode, right? Vanity metrics, right? That, you know, I see everything as like, it's either vanity or sanity, right? Vanity is like, oh, I have this many email subscribers, but sanity is like, all right, if they're not making you any money, like if you can't support yourself, then who cares? So, so for me, like it could be really sexy and be like, yeah, we we operate in five countries and, you know, I could, I don't know if it'd make any money. I don't know if it'd be smart from a business standpoint. So from a vanity perspective, we could do it. I just need to make sure it checks the box for sanity. Okay, hold on. If your mindset was shifted, you were inspired to innovate and you were spurred into action, don't just move on with your day. Focus, my friend, and take a few minutes to visit ceomischiefmaker.com to learn more about the value that was shared with you today. Please act now and create some CEO mischief of your own.